So we are continuing uh, this sermon series called Simply Jesus. And since a winter storm has uh, hit Nashville, we are uh, doing this online, which should give us flashbacks to about a year ago. Uh, but today we are, we're pushing forward in Matthew's gospel. And last Sunday, I started into the Sermon on the Mount, which is Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And I made some general observations about what Jesus is up to in these chapters of Scripture. And so first of all, I said, Jesus is concerned less about rules and laws and more with the condition of our hearts. It's our motive that matters, why we do what we do. Uh, secondly, I told you that in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is setting forth a behavioral ethic that many would say is impossible, but we still have to try to achieve it. Even though we know we're gonna fall short, we, we have to keep trying. Third, I said that, that Jesus is taking conventional earthly wisdom and he's turning it upside down. He's showing us how the kingdom of God is very different from the kingdoms of this world. And fourth, uh, last Sunday I told you that, that, that if you, we are to try to follow Jesus, which that's what Christianity is all about, following Jesus, having a relationship with Jesus, then he makes it very clear that prayer and a deep sense of spirituality is very important as we follow these teachings. So today we, we move ahead into Matthew chapter six. And right now, this week, I, I have really been felt called to preach on this text. It's one of my favorite texts in the Bible, but right now I really feel like these words of Jesus in Matthew chapter six are as pertinent as they have ever been. We are now living in a time where fear is completely out of control on every level. Let me say that again. We are now living in a time where fear is completely out of control on every level. People's lives are being dominated by fear. Some of it's rational, some of it's irrational. Why? Because we are addicted to cable news, we are addicted to social media, and we are addicted to constantly listening to the voices that want to keep us afraid, divided, fearful and angry. I've called what we've been going through as a culture over the past year and a half or so, the perfect storm, the pandemic in, in all of its stages. And we're in another challenging stretch of that. Political upheaval, racial tension, economic hardships, lockdowns, ongoing arguments over masks and vaccines. And the reason that it's been so hard is because we've been dealing with all of this for a really long time now. Over two years, we've been dealing with this. And one of the things that, that has not been talked about nearly enough during this time is the mental and emotional toll that this is taking on everybody, including our children. There was an article uh, this past Thursday that appeared in the New York Times written by Jessica Gross, and she was talking about the despair that parents of young children, and I would argue that all parents, uh, are feeling at, at this point. And here's some of the things that she said she's hearing. I don't feel like I can keep my child safe. Our finances are strained. 
I feel betrayed by the mixed messaging and the changing of the rules. I just don't know how much more of this I can handle. What she was articulating in that article is that many people feel that they have reached the end of their rope. They've tried to be patient. They just don't know how much more they can take. And I talk to people almost every day as a pastor who feel this exact same way. They say this has been going on forever and it doesn't feel like any of the things that we're doing are actually making a difference. There was another article this week written by David Brooks and guess what the title of that article was? America is falling apart at the seams. And in the article, he named all the problems that are going on right now, all the challenges, all the stresses. And he basically said, I don't know what the answer is. Well, as Christians, we have one place where we can look for the answer. The words of Christ. What does he say in Matthew chapter 6? Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For it's the Gentiles who strive for all these things. And indeed, your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. How do we feel when we hear these words of Jesus in light of everything that we are dealing with as a culture and as a world? Does it seem realistic? Does it seem like pie in the sky? Does it seem like Jesus is glossing over the challenges that we all face day in and, and day out? Or is it exactly what we need to hear at this moment right now? Don't worry about your life. Can we even begin to listen? Paul Tillich is a theologian, taught at Harvard, taught at Union Seminary, and wrote a classic book called The Courage to Be. And I've always loved that book because in it, he, he differentiates between fear and anxiety. Uh, Tillich says, fear has an object which can be faced, attacked, and endured, identified. Uh, I'm afraid of heights. I'm afraid of public speaking. I'm afraid of failure. Uh, I'm afraid of COVID or getting sick. But anxiety, he says, is basically fear of the unknown. We are afraid. We just don't know what we're afraid of. All that we know is that we're afraid and it gives us anxiety. Now, in a book called Our Age of Anxiety, Scott Stossel says, being severely anxious is depressing. Anxiety can impede your relationships. 
impair your performance, constrict your life, and limit your possibilities. And yet, before the pandemic ever hit, we already lived in a very anxious world. Now, fear in and of itself is not a bad thing. It's part of how we survive. It's how we make decisions about what to do or not to do, who to trust and not to trust, where to go and not to go. It's part of being sane. But fear, when it gets out of control, begins to dominate our lives and it becomes very unhealthy. And unfortunately, that's where many people are right now. They are afraid. They don't know how to stop being afraid. The problem with fear is, is once it takes over, it, it can paralyze you, it can cripple you, it can keep you from enjoying anything because you're always afraid of what's going to happen or what might happen. Now in Matthew 6, Jesus is telling us to not worry. And we hear these words and we say, well, well that sounds great, but, but, but how can I stop worrying? Because I find myself worrying so much. Well, the first answer to that is that we have to understand the essence of faith and what faith is all about. The opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is, is fear and anxiety and worry that's out of control. Fear and worry ruins the quality of life. It, 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 it keeps us from enjoying our lives. Fear and worry is what keeps us up and awake at night. For me, faith is not believing that, that God will arrange everything in my life the way that I want it to be, that I will never have problems or, or challenges or uh, wonder why does this have to happen or why does that have to happen? But it does mean for me that I believe and I trust that no matter what happens, no matter how bad things get, everything is going to be okay. Trusting in God means that, that we come to terms with our finitude, with our humanity and with the fact that the world is far from perfect, it's broken, it's hurting. But the reason we follow Christ is because we wanna help fix it. We wanna be there for other people when they're struggling in their darkest hour. And right now we have lots of chances to do that. Jesus said in the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. God doesn't take away our struggles, but God gives us the, the strength to deal with them. God doesn't rescue us from all of our pain and hurt and heartache. We, we know that, but God helps get us through the most difficult times in our lives. And, and then we, we come out stronger and that builds character. God doesn't necessarily give us lighter loads, but God will give us stronger backs and more courage to deal with whatever it is that we're having to face. And many people are facing a lot. In many ways, you could argue that, that excessive worrying is a form of atheism. It's unhealthy. And one of the best cures for worry is cultivating a stronger faith. Not just lip service, not just saying that we trust in God, but really trusting in God with our life and with our future and trusting that things are going to be okay. We have to do our part, we have to try. We, we can't just hide out forever. We, we, we have to be courageous, but God will take care of us. Things will be okay. Faith is believing that things are gonna be okay even when it feels like they're not. 
Now, second answer to how we can stop worrying is, is that we've got to stop trying to control everything and everybody. We must recognize that we're not in control of everything. And so we must develop spiritual disciplines to help us find peace and experience peace. Prayer and worship, scripture reading, silence, meditation, authentic relationships, small groups, those kinds of things. What does it say in the serenity prayer? God grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can and the wisdom to know the difference. That's never just been for addicts who are uh, down on their luck or drunks. That, that's for all human beings. So many of us want to pretend that we control everything in our lives, but deep down, we know that we don't. And, and the sooner we can accept that and come to peace with that, the better off we're going to be. Uh, being a control freak will make you miserable because you can't control everything and you can't control everybody. And soon, when you try to control everything, you'll realize how little control you actually have. It makes you miserable. The final answer for how we can stop worrying with everything that's going on in the, in the world is actually found in the last verse of this passage, verse 34, where Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. In other words, Jesus is saying we have to live our lives one day at a time. It's all we have. And this is where many of us miss the boat. We're not very good at being present, especially when we're anxious. We're not very good at focusing on the situation that we are in. You know, our anxiety keeps us on edge. And so as Henry Nouwen says, we have an address, but we're not home. We're distracted. We're preoccupied. We're thinking about the past or we're worried about the future. Jesus wants us to be present. Jesus wants us to live in the moment because that's where life happens. Now, tomorrow, Monday, we will observe a, a special holiday in honor of the life of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., a man who stood courageously for equality, justice, nonviolence, and equal opportunity. A man who spent his life fighting in a nonviolent way for the civil rights and liberties of all people, regardless of age, class, gender, the color of their skin. He wanted our, our country to actually live up to its founding documents that, that all are created equal. There are no second-class citizens. That's what King wanted to see become a reality. The courage that he showed back in the 1960s was unprecedented. To stand up and make what seems to many of us now to be an obvious stand that all human beings are same in the eyes of God and should be treated equally regardless of who they are or where they come from or what they have. And one of his most famous speeches ever given, given in Washington, D.C., with thousands of people looking on, King spoke these words, not just as a civil rights leader, but also as a dad. He said, I have a dream that, that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. King had every reason to be afraid, 
back in the days that he marched and lived and, and led, he was targeted. He and his family faced constant death threats. And then ultimately on April the 4th, 1968, in, in my hometown, Memphis, Tennessee, Martin Luther King lost his life. He was shot at the Lorraine Motel uh, while giving a speech. But in the face of fear, in the face of hatred, in the face of threats, he kept going. He kept going and he kept inspiring and challenging other people to do the same. And his legacy lives on. We all face fear every day. It's part of being human. But we can't let it take over. We can't let it dominate. We have to show courage. We have to press on. And the pandemic won't last forever, but it certainly lasted a lot longer than any of us ever guessed. And many of the other challenges that, that make our culture difficult and perplexing, they won't last forever, but we have to move forward in faith and we have to overcome our fear and our worry because being afraid and scared all the time is not the way that God wants us to live. Amen.